Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. As members of the body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. Now here's Pastor Alex. just want to give you a just a little snapshot trying to get us thinking about the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And um, what I love about the chapter is that uh, God has chosen to list men and women from every walk of life as examples for us to say, you could have been on this list too had you lived in the right era. I have a feeling there's going to be another list in addition to the one in here Somewhere in heaven, maybe right chapter 2 of the book of life. Maybe it's going to be Heroes of the Faith will be chapter 2 or something like that. But we have the potential to be on that list. And so I want, to, I want us to be just really in, encouraged and stimulated, motivated, become passionate about listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying in every little thing that we can. And just learn to become those kind of people. Before I became a Christian, I was, I was a PK. You may not have known this. I was a, a pagan's kid. And, uh, and I didn't have any background in Christianity whatsoever. And uh, I remember uh, I was given a Bible, read the Bible for several months, just John, Romans, John, Romans, and a couple little tracts. And um, I was just so, I was so impressed that the Bible really spoke to where I was at. It was so different. I was in college, and I had assumed the Bible of Christianity was just really for old women and fairies. That literally was my, that was my description. It was just not kind, but that's kind of what I thought. You had to be really kind of out of it to really follow this stuff. And uh, I was blown away by how practical and down-to-earth and logical and, and uh, just amazing Jesus was. And so I, I kind of began to realize that in order for this to ever take hold of me, and for me to ever really buy into it, I had to actually do something that I'd never done before. And I, I just thought about that this morning. It was my very first step of faith toward God. Do you know what I did? I acknowledged that He was there. That was a massive, courageous, frightening step for me. Because in order to cross that threshold, I had to acknowledge that I am not all that. I may be talented, I might be doing okay in school, I might have a, a future in some areas of life, but, but I'm nothing compared to this supposed almighty being I can't see or hear. But I had to at some point take a step and go, okay, fine. And that was my salvation prayer. Now I say that, and I know I've told the story before, but I, I want to remind you, um, faith is one of the simplest things you can exercise on the planet, but one of the most challenging things because... It causes our pride to just go, get squashed. I'm, I'm not that great. I can't get this done by myself. There is a God, and I have to acknowledge him. And so every one of these men and women that we've been studying has taken a step or two or 30 like that, where they had to recognize there is a God. He is in charge of the universe. I have to answer to him at some point in time, and it'd be better to do it early than late. And that's what obedience is born out of. Obedience is simply learning to say yes to the whispers of God. Small scale, large scale, regardless of the outcome. 
Hebrews teaches us that outcome isn't really what God's concerned about. Because he said, you know, in the final analysis, you will be rewarded as a citizen in a city whose builder and maker is God. In fact, a lot of these folks weren't even living for the momentary promise to be fulfilled. It was exciting when it was, like getting delivered from the mouth of a lion. That's pretty exciting. But not all of them were. So if I can just impress upon you, every little step that we take in faith is one of the simplest things we can do, but it's always going to challenge our pride. So as we take a look at this next precious man, his name is Gideon in Judges chapter 6. He was a hero of the faith. He's listed not in paragraph form. There's several of them. They've got a little story. You know, Abraham's got one. Noah's got one. Moses has got quite a long story. Gideon is literally just in a list of names toward the bottom of the chapter. And rather than read that verse again, since we've been doing it every single week, I just want to kick off with the very most important verse, and that would be Hebrews eleven six. That apart from faith, it's impossible. Can you say Impossible impossible to please God. He doesn't say, going to church is what pleases me, giving tithes and offerings is what pleases me, bringing food for Salvation Army is what pleases me. He says faith is what pleases me. So it's a, it's a concept we will never grow out of and we'll never get past or more mature than. So how did Gideon exercise his faith? I, I love the story of Gideon, and again, it's a long three-chapter story, so I'm just going to give you a couple of highlights just for the sake of time. But one of the things most of you know if you've read the story uh, is that we first meet Gideon where? Hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat for his family to eat. Most sermons about Gideon begin here. He was a scaredy cat. He was a chicken. He was a wimp. I'm sorry, I don't think that's what the story is pointing out. The reason he was in the wine press is because the Midianites were just crawling all over the land along with the Malachites, just destroying and looting everything that the Israelites had been growing and building and possessing and using for their own family. They were just, just wiping everything out, either killing it, crushing it, or taking it for themselves. I don't think that's fear, keeping the food from his hungry family out of the eyesight of the Midianites, I just think that's smart. That's just good defense. These guys are animals. They will stop at nothing. I'm not afraid of them, but I'm hungry. So I'm just here to protect my food. So first of all, let's kind of, let's get over Gideon being a chicken, and let's begin to just applaud him for being a pretty smart guy, okay? But the story does go on to say that he did demonstrate some other internal insecurities that we can definitely uh, relate to ourselves. And, and one of the first things he's going to have to learn is to not shrink from his God-given stature. It was his view of himself before God that needed to be corrected. It wasn't the fear of the Midianites. It wasn't trying to save his own neck, although he probably was trying to do that too. But look what God says to Gideon about himself. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Declaration. It's like when Jesus called um, Simon, Peter, my rock, or the rock. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Uh, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? 
My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. This guy's got an identity issue. He views himself through the lens of what his family and his culture has said about him, meaning the extended tribe as well as his own immediate family. Whatever their opinion of me is of me, that's who I am. And God, that's the problem that you and I both have. You see, I can't do what you've asked because I'm nobody. And finally, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. That is such a cool story. It is such a powerful story. I know there are some people here at RCC who have, I've seen allow themselves to be loved and then mended and then in training and serving. They're just kind of moving up the ladder in terms of effectiveness. And it's so cool to see people just grow and then become leaders and influencers here in the body and then here in the community as well. But most of us kind of started out here, didn't we? <laughs> Me. I'm nobody. And generally, family of origin has a lot to do with that, the way parents parented us or those in authority, like a Boy Scout troop leader or a principal or a coach or somebody, just kind of talked down to us. And our image was just fashioned and shaped and formed by the enemy of this world, the enemy of our souls, but often by human beings being used for those kind of tools. And so Gideon was no different. He had a lot of family culture that just kind of trained him to see himself a certain way. You know, this is not just a getting issue. It's not just a universal issue. One of the things I've noticed lately is it's, it's an issue for men, especially in our culture today. One of the things that is so troubling for me is to see the, oh, you can call it by a lot of names, the wimpinization of men or the sissification of men. It's really a troubling Fad. You see it all over television. It's happening in Western Europe. It's happening here in America. Uh, men are not allowed to be masculine. If they are, then they're a chauvinist pig. There's only two choices. Either be, become a sissy or you're a chauvinist pig. There's nothing in between. Have you noticed that? I hear it. I feel it. I see it. And anytime I assert myself in godly manhood, there's always somebody going, oh, who are you? Oh, you're, just, you're just trying to be a, a bigot. You're just trying to take over women. That's what you're trying to do. It's really important for us to recognize our God-given status. Yeah, good luck taking over women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, try, try, try again. Try as we might. You know, so when, when we're named names like chauvinist or something like that, we have to recognize there, there are two kinds of men in the world. There are chauvinists that take their authority, their strength, their manliness, and their power, and their loudness, and, and just kind of run over women. That's absolutely sinful, wrong behavior. But there's another word that we've kind of forgotten. It's called chivalry. Chivalry is when a man opens a door for a woman because he honors her and respects her, values her, and treats her as an equal. Chauvinism, it says, yeah, I'll open the door for you because you're too weak. And there's usually a little adjective in front of the word weak because you're too weak. That's chauvinist. Of course, that's not how we want to be. But we've got to be, be recognized that in our culture, the spirit of this world wants us to feel smaller. And this doesn't just apply to men, but I just wanted to point that out. Guys, let's learn how to rise up and be strong and let's be men. You don't have to overpower. You don't have to show off. But you don't have to become shrunken either. Don't shrink back. 
but it applies to women as well. We need to recognize, I have a God-given identity. I am the bride of Christ. I was chosen by the king of the universe to marry him. That's a pretty elevated status. I have his nature. I'm a new creature. I have a, a hope and a future. I have an assignment from God. I play a part in the body of Christ that no other part can play. So we have to embrace that to say, if we're going to be people who really become influencers, we've got to believe what God says and simply act on it. Judges 8, 18 is an interesting verse. I don't think I put it up here, but I followed the story. Near the end of the story, it's when uh, Gideon had chased out the Midianites, and they fled as far as east is to west, and he killed a couple of guys, and a couple of the Midianites turned and killed some Israelites, and Gideon finally chased these two kings down. I think their name was Zalmunna and Ziba. And when judges or judges, when Gideon finally captures them, he told them, "You're going to pay for the murder of my brother Israelites." Here's an interesting question he asked. He said, "What kind of men did you kill back at Tabor?" And these two kings said to Gideon, "Men." like you, each one with the bearing of a prince. There was something about those Israelites that was just princely. You know, sometimes our enemies see us in a more godly perspective than we see ourselves. They see us as having influence. Even our adversaries, even people who just act like they could care less about us, they see us as taller than we are, stronger than we, than we see ourselves. We have to acknowledge the fact that what God says about us is the last and only truth. Can I hear an amen? amen? So I've been trying to walk in that a little bit more, and it's been kind of fun. You know what's cool is when you strike that balance between tender compassion and real strength. Sometimes we get that right, and it feels so good as men. When you overuse your strength, Never feels great. When you underuse it, that doesn't feel good either. But when you find that balance, so anyway, I've been trying to walk in that with my family, my grandkids, my church, neighbors. Um, it's really been kind of fun. I've, I've struck the balance occasionally, and it's like, wow, I like this. I like being a man of influence, and no one has any right to criticize or anything else because I haven't crossed any of those, you know, those godliness lines. So I had a chance to uh, exercise this. The other day I was coming to work up the hill at 140th, and if you drive that road at all, you know it's very steep, and it's very windy, and people go really fast. So I'm doing the steep and windy part, not trying to do the fast part, but I'm just kind of flying up the hill, and right in the center of that one of those worst curves, there's a woman parked right in the inside fast lane, dead stop, and she's on her phone, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Fortunately, I was in the other lane, but I'm going, this, this woman's gonna get rammed. She is dead meat. And she just kind of didn't really know what was going on, just sort of on her phone and just sort of spacing out. So I immediately just pulled up, got behind her, backed my car down, put on my flashers, parked at an angle, you know, like the police do. <laughs> parked at an angle like this, jumped out of my car and spoke through her window, and she rolled it down. I said, you've got to get out of the middle of the street. You're going you're gonna to get crushed here. So anyway, I'm turning around, and cars are flying up the hill, and I'm jumping out there, and I love, I should have been a traffic cop. I'm doing this, you know, I just love... You know what I'm saying? Go get over one lane. It was so much fun. Anyway, I finally said, we got to do something with this woman. Her car will not start, and she's not going uphill, and I'm not pushing, that's for sure. So I said, I have an idea. I'll back out of the way. Oh, wait, more cars. Go on, go on, go on. I'll back out of the way, and what I'm going to do is ask you to take your car, 
out of drive, turn on the key, it won't start, but then I want you to turn towards the curb, and I'm going to have you back, 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 down the hill, down the hill, over three lanes, and I want you to park by the curb. Just, oh, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. We can do this. We can do this. It worked. She made it all the way over to the curb. Cars that were flying around, they tend to go to the inside lane anyway. They were just flying up the hill, and she didn't get hit. And my car's still hanging out there with flashers on going, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Jumped back in my car and came to work. I, I didn't solve her problem. I didn't make a call for her. I didn't get a mechanic. I didn't open her hood. But I, I felt like that was a cool opportunity, Lord. I'm thankful that I said yes to that because I can look back on that and go, that's what it means to just obey the whispers of the Holy Spirit. It didn't end there just a couple days ago. It was last Sunday. Uh, different part of Renton. I'm driving home right near my house on Martin Luther King Way. <clears throat> you know, highway to Seattle. And there's an intersection that we cross over, Martin Luther King. Uh, so I was getting ready to go up my hill. And uh, this car was just cattywampus and bash. There's plastic and glass everywhere, just all over the place. With a guy on his phone, yeah, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So, I, again, I, I go, i got to stop and help this guy. Man, he's out in the middle of the road. Cars are going both ways. Same thing. I had practice. <laughs> this time, they're going the other way. And that was kind of fun. But a lot of people were just, like, bearing down, like, oh, sorry. All that to say, uh, it turned out it wasn't his car. He saw a woman smash into someone else, jump out of the car, and just run for the apartments. And nobody knew where she went. Finally, the fireplace, uh, fire department shows up. The police show up. And, it, and I had to check with this guy. I said, are you okay? And he's over there on the bench just going, <sighs> he's wearing a business suit like he just gone to a sales meeting or something. But I say all that to say, I, I want to see myself from God's point of view, and I want you to as well. And there are little ways every day that we can exercise that and grow in influence. Amen. Um, some of you don't think you're qualified to be a mentor of one of those students across the street. Can I say, I think you are. You're qualified. What you have to influence a junior hire one hour a week at their lunch hour or sixth period or first period, whatever works for you, every other week is a possibility. We need mentors for the students at Northwood across the street. We've been given a wide open door. Think about that. Sign up. And uh, I actually talked to our trainer for mentoring, and uh, she said, yeah, some Sunday afternoon would work perfect for me. So she could be here right after church, and we do the entire training. For those of you who haven't done it, and it would be awesome. All right, what can we learn from Gideon? Second, I love this part. Don't try to be spectacular. That's nice. That's really nice to hear once in a while, you know? On one hand, I want to be strong in walking in my God-given stature, but I don't need to be spectacular. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. And most of you know the story. He gathered 30,000 men. The Lord said, too many. Got him down to, what was it, 300? Or did he finish with 300? Finish with three? Or 30? Okay, so yeah, 30,000, maybe 3,000 or 15 or something. Anyway, all the way down to 300. You see, Gideon apparently had enough influence to gather a, a good, sizable army. 30,000 men is no small deal. We don't hear any history of him actually being in the military service. So apparently he had already established relationships, was able to gather an army and lead an army. So again, this is no little chicken, you know, fearful little man. 
He just saw himself too small compared to God. So the Lord says, look, you're going to be really successful at defeating these Midianites, but you will take the credit because there's something in your mind that says, I have to win, and the only way I win is to do everything I can to make sure it comes out on top because I, I want to be amazing. I serve an amazing God, so now I have to be an amazing Christian, an amazing leader, and I don't know where that comes from, but a lot of us struggle with this really perfectionist kind of problem. You know, I, I got to do it all. I have to do it all correctly. I can't fail. Um, anybody struggle with that? Am I the only one? Yeah. A lot of us struggle with this, uh, this feeling that we're supposed to be amazing. And it really, it really stems from, again, kind of a lot of the insecurities. We struggle with this similar to the reasons that we struggle with the first problem. Our insecurities. That we, we somehow believe the lie that the only way we can be accepted or approved by others is to just be amazing. And, and you know, I really, oh, I told you last week, I, I'm, I'm asking you to hold me accountable. I opened my Facebook page last Sunday. For the first time in probably since I ever signed up. And um, you know, I told you I, I'm realizing God wants me to be available to the community and have relationships and actually try to influence people that I might never meet in person. But if I can write things or have pictures or link to videos or something, I hear the Lord saying, that's part of your assignment for this season of life. Get used to it. So I opened up Facebook, and you might have noticed I, I confirmed your friendship. <laughs> I actually did about 100 confirmations in one sitting and realized that was about half the list. People have been asking for my friendship for years, and I'm just like, I don't think so. Nope. So I, I decided, you know, I, I've been taking a couple of classes on how to uh, utilize social media to extend the kingdom of God, and, and it's really exciting stuff, and I'm I'm looking forward to learning, but I, I, I had to set that aside. It's a big deal, and I'm going to need help. I decided, you know, I just need to, get, I need to get to know the world of Facebook first. So I just started scrolling through all these people that I just confirmed. And said, well, so what are these guys up to? What are they saying? What's this, what's this thing all about? What's it like? Most of the people that I said, I want to be your friend, I know them. And a lot of them are here. A lot of them are outside the church from years ago. But I still know them. They're good, safe, godly people to be on Facebook with. But there were a handful of people where you go... It looks like they're trying to be spectacular. You know, all these posts and these things, there's no one here, by the way. None of you are doing that. But there are people who you can kind of tell by the amount, the volume of postings and the, the things they say and the things they want us to believe about them. And it's just kind of sad because we're led to believe now in America, especially with television, and everybody now is on every screen in the planet. You know, the idea is that if you're not just amazing, you're nobody. And God was concerned that Gideon was having the same struggle. You need to know you're somebody because you're my child, period. You're my child. End of story. I'm amazing. You're not. <laughs> That's kind of what God's saying. And see, what I like about that is that means I don't have to do anything gigantic to please him. I just have to obey by faith. And see, so that qualifies everyone in the room, every small little thing. When it comes to just saying, Honey, don't worry. I'll go get the crying baby at 2 in the morning next time you sleep. Little stuff where you just step out and you are the one that decides to serve. You be the man and do the dishes. You know, you be the woman and call the friend who's troubled. Little stuff is how you become 
a hero of faith. So we have to resist the temptation to be worshipped. After Gideon conquered the Midianites, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson. They wanted a dynasty. They wanted like generations of kingship from this one man, Gideon. They really thought highly of him and assumed his sons and grandsons would be as great. Because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. You know, when God does use us to do something spectacular, people will give us credit. We're allowed to say thanks for the compliment. But I got to tell you, if it hadn't been for Jesus, never would have happened. Don't overstate it, please. I will receive thanks. It's a little too religious to go, oh, no, 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 God, to God be the glory. That's a little overkill. You know what I'm talking about? Religious. Wow, thanks. It was fun to be a part of. I'm glad I got invited to participate. But God is the one who invited me, and he's the one that did the work. And finally, if you want to be a hero of the faith, expect everyone to leave you eventually. <laughs> Get used to it. If you were at the conference, we heard this. One of our speakers at the conference made that statement along the way, and I just said, i got to write that down. That's a good one. And so I decided, I wonder if Gideon had this problem. I wonder if he was kind of concerned about his legacy, you know. And so we read in Judges 8.33, No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Barith as their God and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. I don't know if that was because of a weakness in Gideon that the people just reverted back to their paganism or if he was a great leader, did everything he could for positive transference to the next generation and the people just fleshed out. It could have been either or. We don't know. But the fact is Gideon could not Begin living under this pressure that he's now responsible from the grave for what happens next. Can't be. I'm doing everything I can to leave a legacy with my family, but once I'm gone, baby, guess what? I'm done. <laughs> I can't do anything about it, about how the next generation decides to live with Jesus. The reason I said it is because it's a little depressing when you think about it. They could all walk away from God, but it's also liberating. To know that's not my job. I don't have to live for those days when I'm gone today. There's, A, no grace for that. God doesn't give you grace for tomorrow today. He gives you grace for today. But number B, there's a whole lot of freedom and release and going, I don't have to be amazing once again. Everybody will eventually leave. If not in their hearts and betrayal, but death. And so will we. I remember when uh, Pam and I and a bunch of us, in fact, it might have been 15 or so, 20 of us, back in the 80s when everybody's doing anti-abortion protests, you know, we sat in front of this abortion clinic in Capitol Hill and uh, just tried to refuse entrance for anybody. So we just said, we'll just not let any babies die today. That was kind of our goal. And we want to make a public statement to the community that we believe in life and we think God does too and there are better ways to care for your unplanned pregnancy than this. And uh, we weren't 
yelling, screaming, mean. We didn't blow anybody up. We were just sitting there. And uh, sure enough, we knew we'd probably get arrested. And uh, the cops came, and, and they very gently put, you know, those little, what do you call them, the little zip tie handcuffs on you. Put us all on a bus and processed us all. And now we all had criminal records, and we all went um, somewhere. I think it was some kind of portable police chief office, like in a trailer. He goes, we're not bringing these guys downtown. A, they're not violent. B, we don't have room for them. So they, they processed us all kind of, maybe it's in a gymnasium or something like that. Anyway, we all now had a court date to go stand before the judge. And uh, we all knew we were probably going to get fined. We were probably going to, you know, pay a price of some kind. But we're going, Jesus told me to be here, so I don't care. He's going to supply all my needs. And uh, I remember one by one, the judge did a fine job of uh, letting us know that we had violated Washington state law. It's called trespassing. And uh, it's against the law. There's a fine. If you pay the fine, you go to jail, and if you don't cooperate, we can, we can increase the jail time and the fine. And so some of the um, more, you know, uh, militant uh, abortion resistors, Christians, stood before the judge, and they would say, uh, sir, what is your name? The judge would ask, and uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, they refused to answer. The judge said, I'll ask you again. What is your name, sir, and what do you do for a living? And I'm not going to argue or debate whether they were hearing the Lord in that or not. But I'll tell you this, the judge said, sir, contempt of court has just doubled your fine. Next. I mean, it was like really simple. So, you know, Pam and I are kind of going, we're in line to speak before this guy. We're sort of really getting intimidated. At least I was. So anyway, I had my chance, and I had a really great speech. I'm not going to withhold information. I'm going to tell the truth. I, I really want him to know why I'm here. And I had this really great story about, I don't know, Beethoven was going to be aborted, and then his you know, last minute, it's true, and three, a few other great men in, in history, and uh, they actually got to live. And where would the world be without these great heroes? But I couldn't spit out my words straight, sideways, backwards. Or it came out just totally. I was so nervous. It, it was not pretty. And I remember the judge looking at me going. <laughs> and I was too nervous to stop and fix it. You know how you get? Sometimes you just go, just let me out of here. I, really, I mean, nowadays I'm getting better at stopping and fixing things. But anyway, so I sat down. And I'm just feeling like a total dope. And then my wife gets up there, and she knocks it out of the park. I mean, she just sliced this judge up into pieces and left him smiling about it. I mean, she didn't slice him up. But, you know, her arguments were so coherent and so strong and so convincing. And, and he was very respectful and kind. Thank you, ma'am. And here's your fine, $250. And da, 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 da. Here's my point. I wish I could have had Pam stand next to me before the judge. I think that would have helped. Or I wish I could have said, I'll read your speech to him, okay? And the Lord just reminded me, Alice, you know, at some point in life, you will stand alone. You can't depend on anybody else. They will either leave you, they will die, and especially on the day you stand before the judge of the universe, you're standing there by yourself. The encouraging thing about that is, I don't have to live up to someone else's faith life. I can live up to mine. I just love that, and that's, that I can do. The Bible says, I've commanded you, a man, what to do, and it is not too difficult for you. You know, I believe that's a really relative statement to every single person, relative to who you are, what you're capable of. It, it can be done. That's what makes heroes of the faith. So if you were to ask yourself a question, um, which of these 
can I get better at? Do I need to embrace my God-given stature in his eyes and not be identified by those around me? If I do, I need to repent. You know, repent just means to change directions. Stop beating myself up. Stop rehearsing old tapes from people that matter to us. And just saying, Father, help me memorize and accept who you say I am. That just takes an act of repentance. Turn it, go a new direction. Do you need to stop trying to be so spectacular and just rest and just breathe? I like calling it average, but average almost sounds too small for us. Son of God, child of God, you know, we're king's kids. But you know what I'm talking In many, many senses, we're just average. Even the most wonderful and amazing and popular Christians are just average. If we need to repent, we need to just say, Father, forgive me for competing with you. You alone are spectacular. Or if we've actually done some pretty cool things and people have started to kind of go, wow, you're amazing. I don't know how you do that. Stop accepting worship. Just make it a point to go, I really appreciate that compliment, but it honestly, it honestly couldn't have happened without him. Or do you need to uh, just accept the fact that not everybody who loves and admires you right now will always be there for you. They're going to leave. And... Uh, Again, rather than having that be depressing, let it be liberating. Wow, I can stand alone. I can stand alone. I can because of him. Father, we're so thankful that you're a God who has given us such down-to-earth examples from the men and women of your word. We thank you for their stories, Lord, because it encourages us that all things are possible with you. So, Father, right now, while we're sitting quietly, would you just identify one two, three, if any of those three things that we need to repent of so that we can just actively, prayerfully, right now, silently say, Father, I repent of this. And I thank you for your immediate forgiveness, Lord. Immediate cleansing, instant mercy, and brand new beginning. Thank you, Father God. Before you open your eyes, I just want to know, have... If you've prayed that prayer just now with me or you, you plan to have that conversation with the Lord in the near future, would you raise your hand? Yeah, there's some things I need to work on here. Praise God. That is so cool. Good job. You know, the Bible says that the Lord rewards the humble with grace. He's opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what you've just done there is you've humbled yourself totally qualified for grace to be poured out. So Father, pour out your grace right now. Let your Holy Spirit be abundantly available in our hearts, in our minds, even in our imaginations so that we can go forward today with our heads held high. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Go get them, church. Go get them. Yes, God's word is so awesome. Thanks, Pastor Alex. I hope this message blesses you as it does me. We have an awesome time of worship during each of our services. We have infant and child care available, as well as complete children's education programs. We host the Wildfire Youth Programs Wednesday evenings. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's a final word from Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. 
You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.